that touch of God even in the incoming year. Well, it is a great delight, of course, to have the Reverend John Douglas with us, Dr. Douglas, and uh, he needs no introduction here. He's been here many times, but we always enjoy the ministry of the Lord's servant as he comes, and we're very glad he's able to come tonight and speak at our New Year conference. And so we're going to ask Dr. Douglas just to come and to bring God's word to our hearts just at this stage. And may the Lord bless his servant. Let us all turn together to the word of God this evening. We're looking at Second Chronicles, the second book of Chronicles, chapter 15. And while you're turning up the place, may I uh, say appreciation for Mr. Dean's warm welcome to the service, to the New Year conference. He recognized that the need that we feel in our hearts and our congregations, certainly in this country, is greater than at any time previous. And yet, the Spirit of God is not straightened, and the Lord can still step in in the midst of every difficulty. It's a privilege to be here tonight, and a joy to bring the Word of God on this occasion. And I know that I need the help from God that is required in preaching a word like this. And I ask you especially to pray for me this evening that I might be a man sent from God. Having said that, I just haven't come to preach, but I've come to deliver God's message and in order to do that, of course, we need help from heaven. And in a moment, we'll be lifting our hearts to the Lord in prayer. But meanwhile, I want you just to cry out to the Lord for me that God might give special help tonight. It's Second Chronicles 15. We'll read the beginning of the chapter. I would really like to read the whole chapter. But... Um, you can read the rest of the portion when you get home tonight, if it please the Lord. And we'll begin at verse 1 of Second Chronicles 15. And the Spirit of God came upon Azariah, the son of Oded. And he went out to meet Asa and said unto him, Hear ye me, Asa. And all Judah and Benjamin, the Lord is with you while ye be with him. And if ye seek him, he will be found of you. But if ye forsake him, he will forsake you. Now for a long season... Israel hath been without the true God. In other words, the God of truth. When you think of God's truth and God himself, then that country is especially destitute to be without God, God's presence, God's guidance, God's blessing. And 
also recognize that there's no sense in which anyone in the country has observed God's truth. Here are things we need to give serious attention to ourselves this evening. To think of a country, any country, let's think just of Britain. We're part of the UK still. How far Britain has got away from God, even Northern Ireland. To be without God is disaster. And to be without God's truth is just leaving the country wide open to doom and judgment. So if there is a sighing in your heart tonight, in my heart after God, let that prayer be directed in this manner. He will say, Lord, it's thee we seek. Thy presence makes the feast. And let the truth of God, let the truth of God grip our hearts this evening. Before we leave this house, may we know of a truth we have met with God. So there it is, a glimpse of Israel's past for a long season. That makes it worse. Say, take the case of somebody here backslidden. If you were just backslidden for a day or two, that's bad enough. But for you to say, I've been backslidden for 20 years. Backslidden, what? Backslidden for 20 years? That's dreadful. Beyond all comprehension, that's dreadful. You see, the longer this sin goes on, the worse the situation becomes. The more desperate the plight of the people concerned. And if we have a group of people who've got away from God for a long, long time, there's a lot of hard work to be done to regain the lost ground and to get back to square one. A lot of ground to make up. We've got to beware of the long season. There's no way I can look into your heart and you don't expect me to either. But you can, as best you can, look into your own heart. Can we use the words a long season? Could they, in any sense, apply to you spiritually? A long season since you really prayed as one who has got through at the throne of grace. Is there a long season, on the other hand, in which you've been enjoying the best of the blessings? This long season can work in any direction. But it's just dreadful if it has been a long season without God. And there is the conjunction there. And without a teaching priest. The priest is a man who supposedly is in touch with the throne. At the same time, he has the, the privilege of dispensing the truth, teaching the word. And yet, the country has not only lost the sense of God's presence and allegiance to God's truth, 
But there isn't anybody around to minister effectively in the things of God. Are we right in suggesting the picture's getting worse? It, it seems that way. And without law, that says it all. You'd be afraid to go down the street at night. Law and order, a thing of the past. History repeats itself time after time. Now, this word of reflection in verse 5, have a look at it. And in those times, and this is because the law has no longer taken effect. The result of that is in verse 5. In those times, there was no peace, no safety to him that went out nor to him that came in. You can hardly step outside the front door. But great vexations were upon all the inhabitants of the countries. And nation was destroyed of nation and city of city. For God did vex them with all adversity. Now this is part of a sermon. Although we have been given a glimpse of History, Israel's history in the past, and it's disturbing. It's sad. But it's part of a sermon. We mustn't lose sight of that. There's a man here preaching the word. His name's Azariah. He's been sent by God. And you can see that much in verse 1. And then verse 2, he went out to meet Asa the king, the king of Judah. So the Spirit of God is guiding this man. The Spirit of God is prompting this man. And the utterance that he gives of a truth is God's message. That's lovely. That makes everything worthwhile. So it's a sermon. I say that because I want you to be with me in the reading of verse 7. This comes the application. The preacher sets out the facts and he delivers the message. He wants to deliver that message in the plainest terms. But then there must come the exhortation, the application of the word. Getting to the heart, in other words. Getting to the soul. Be ye strong, therefore. Having looked at these disastrous circumstances described in the verses, you could see a case for saying, now these people are at another loss to know what to do. Their enthusiasm has disappeared. And instead of looking to the future with a cheerful disposition, it's just the opposite. Now, the Word of God then has a wonderful way of lifting up the discouraged person. There's a lifting up for the downcast. Be ye strong, therefore. Is this a word for your own soul? I believe it is. I'm taking it as a word for my heart. Be ye strong, therefore. And let not your hands be weak. 
for your work shall be rewarded. You don't serve the Lord in vain. I could read this last line of verse 7 in this fashion with all entitlement. There is a reward. I read it this way to show you the certainty of the expression we have got here at the end of verse 7. There is a reward for all your work. Now, if we never got to speak for another second at the New Year conference, I have already delivered the message. It's worth preaching, isn't it? There is a reward. That's where the devil comes in with doubting and fear and discouragement. When you have no prospect of blessing, no prospect of turning things around, and your hands do fall down, and instead of being strong, you find you're weak. So these things just fit together like pieces in a jigsaw. So I want to read that last line of verse 7 in the fashion which I have brought it to your notice. I have every entitlement to bring that uh, rendition of the verse to you. There is a reward. Know that for sure. What are you going to do for the Lord this year? What are you going to do for the Lord in the Sunday school or in the children's work or in other departments of the work here in Crossgar or in the church that maybe you identify with? What are you going to do for the Lord this year? Time's running out. And what we have to be up and doing. And we have to be doing something for him. Let's ask the Lord about it. Lord, what would you have me to do? That's a good scriptural prayer. Saul of Tarsus, a young convert, prayed that prayer. I can pray it too. You can as well. What wilt thou have me to do? It doesn't matter what age you are. It doesn't matter what circumstances you find yourself in. I want you to pray that prayer now. For the Lord has something. Be assured of this. You know what? I, I wish I could just have allowance to start calling names and begin here with the front and move uh, pew by pew right to the very back wall there and call your name. It has to be personal tonight. What would the Lord have for you to do this year? There's one thing for sure. Don't take this the wrong way, but really, the Lord hasn't called us to come to the house of God and warm a seat for a wee while. It would be other ways of warming the church furniture. But the Lord wants men and women to enlist. They put their names down, as it were to enlist in the service of the king. I'm here, Lord. I'm not much. I'll be first to say that. I'm not much. There's nothing I can do. There's a hymn in our hymn book that says those very words. That's the way we are. We have to come just poor and needy. There's nothing, Lord, I can do. And yet the Lord can give me the privilege of doing something, just to do something for him. What wilt thou have me to do? There is a reward. If you're taking a note, I would thoroughly advise you to write that wee note down because you might 
really it's bound up in the text we have when you start to think of it. But you could well miss this aspect of the last line of verse 7. You could well miss it. And you would just see there, your work shall be rewarded. And that's a great statement. It's a promise from God. It's a definite promise. Your work, hallelujah, will be rewarded. It's not going to fall to the ground. So that other uh, alternative that I offered there equally deserves attention because it brings the definiteness into the picture more emphatically. There is a, a reward. There is. There is a reward for you if you start reading your Bible in a new way this year. Can't you fit that in? I'm going to give more time to my Bible. Oh, what about the prayer meetings in the church here? I can't say if you've been missing a lot lately. But if you're well enough, it's a different thing when you're not keeping so good. But if you're well enough, I want you with new resolve to say, here I am, Lord. Really, there's nothing I can do, but I'm willing to come. I'm willing to come to the throne of grace and say, here's my life, Lord. My eyes, my ears, my tongue. My feet, my hands. Let not your hands be slack. Do you see that? Offer them to the Lord. Let them be employed. The hands are there to do something, you see. Very hard to beat the Ulster man's language, the Ulster man's way of putting things. Blunt and colorful, memorable. But if you saw a man employed or supposedly employed and somebody say, it wouldn't do a hand's turn. Or he's standing there, two arms at one length. It's a great way of expressing. You get the picture right away. He's just an observer. No, we don't want to be in God's work like that. Mind you, the Lord has to show me and he has to show you what he wants you to do, but just say, Lord, here am I. That's a start. For there is a reward. There is. I could just spend the rest of the night saying there is because the devil fires these doubts at you, fires them into your mind so that you'll not do anything for the Lord. And that's a mistake. There is. That's the strength of the verse here. There is a reward for all your work. I want to summarize verse 8 in closing the reading. Uh, when Asa heard these words, because at the end of the service in verse 8, preacher has finished delivering the message. We, we have been with him there at the start of the sermon. Then we have seen uh, where he has gone with the message. And we have noticed the Spirit of God gave him direction and now, after the application, we come to the results. Don't you think the results of this meeting are important now? If the Lord sees in you a willingness to say, Lord, there's not much I can do. You might even say, as I'm saying, Lord, there's nothing I can do. That's not for me to tell the Lord anything. 
is to say, Lord, I'm here if you want me. That's the response now they come to in verse 8. After the last amen. Isn't this great? The Bible's such a wonderful book. It's as if we're there. I believe heaven will be like that. I can't give you book, chapter, and verse, but I believe that all these chapters in the Bible are not there. It's for the simple reason we need edification today, and that's it. The Bible's a piece of history when we get to heaven. I don't think so. I, I think that I, I re-emphasize, I can't give you book, chapter, and verse for it, but I do believe the Lord might be pleased to take us back into Bible scenes. And let us feel that we're there, seeing the people, hearing them speak, seeing them respond, whatever way they did. And this is a response. When Asa heard these words, oh, that's a vital point. The question, you see, is what are you going to do once you've heard the message? What are you going to do? What does Asa do? When Asa heard these words and the prophecy, the preaching of Oded the prophet, he took courage. He got encouragement. Praise the Lord for that. I want you to be immensely encouraged tonight. He took courage. He put away, I'm just going to abbreviate now the verse. He put away the abominable idols. If there's something there between you and the Lord, you know what it is. The matter has got to be cleared up tonight. You can't go on, especially for that long season we were talking about. The abominable idols out of all the land of Judah and Benjamin and out of the cities which he had taken from Mount Ephraim. And then there was the altar of the Lord. That reminds us of prayer and getting through to God. The altar of the Lord must have been in a bad state of repair. Probably wasn't even usable. The picture of neglect There are are a lot of things turning over in this verse, aren't there? A lot of things to be looked at and cleared up. For all I can say, it could be in some way a a picture of this meeting tonight. There there could be. It could, could be my heart, could be my life. A lot of things need turning over. It could be you. A lot of things, oh, a lot of things need turning over. And before we get any further, we're still in touch with God saying, Lord, have you got me in the line of vision? You see me here tonight in this house. I I have been redeemed. I have been born of thy spirit. I belong to thee. My name's written down in glory. And before I go, Lord, let me do something for thee. It's a powerful chapter. You can see why I would suggest to anybody, I would want to read the whole chapter. We're just getting into it. 
the foundation is being laid. Oh, step by step, you can see the pathway bringing us back into touch with God. Let's keep our Bibles open for prayer. I need the prompting of God tonight. This meeting's very important. It's not called the New Year Conference for nothing. It has to be a night that's going to be like a milestone, by the way, on the road home to Zion. It has to be. Only the Lord can do that. And we've got to ask him to do it. Isn't the Lord wonderful that he saved you and he saved me? Isn't it just wonderful to be saved? Haven't we a sense of indebtedness tonight? Indebtedness to the Lord who loved us and bought us. You say, Lord, it's time to make a return. What would you have me? See, if the Lord didn't have a purpose for you, he would have called the angels and taken you home to heaven long ago. The fact that you're still alive on this earth, the fact that you're still here is evidence in plenty that the Lord has something for you to do. Isn't that encouraging? Praise the Lord for that. Even if you learned nothing else by coming here tonight than to learn that and get a real hold of that. If the Lord had nothing for you to do, he'd have had you way home to glory long ago. But you're here. The Lord has you here sitting in this congregation tonight. And that means he has. He has something for you to do for him. And there is a reward. Best of all, there is a reward for all your work. That's powerful. I will just pray. Oh, Lord, we need thee. We're desperate need tonight. We know the situation in this country, it just distresses us out of all measure. Oh, to think of this wee country in Northern Ireland, so privileged, so blessed, so richly blessed, living in the state now that we find it in. We pray you'll have mercy on us, Lord, come again. Come again by the power of the Holy Ghost. Revive thy work. Take thy word tonight, Lord, pure and simple. Write it into my heart, into the heart of every soul present, that we will, before we rise up from our places and make our way home, that holy business will be done with God this very hour. Lead us, Lord. Lead us forth in our devotion. Lead us in our Bible reading, in our times of prayer. Let our lives, let every day indeed count for thee. Hear prayer tonight. Help this preacher, Lord. I will take up the word in Jesus' name. Amen. But just look at verse 1. What I want you to do is not so much uh, listen to what I'm saying, but my request to you, and first of all, I would say, could you put a marker in the place? Because 
I think we may be turning elsewhere in Scripture, and we'll always want to get back quickly and conveniently to Second Chronicles 15. So if you would, that's my request to you. Put a marker in the place for easy reference. And what we want to do is look into the text tonight, line by line nearly. Now, we wouldn't have time word for word, but that's really my heart's desire. If we had the time, it would be word for word and line by line, not missing a thing. Not missing a thing. We start off then with the first six words. Sometimes our problem is we're reading our Bibles far too quickly. And we rush through the reading, really, without being aware of that. Yet we're doing it. We hardly have time to think. I think that suits the devil. Don't allow God's people time to think. Don't allow them time to get into the Word. Don't allow them time to pray. See the first six words? And the Spirit of God came. I have a proposition to put to you. It concerns the operation of the Holy Spirit. That statement is, when the Spirit of God comes in, there is a mighty transformation. There's a change. We're not in a position to uh, go further with the statement. What would have happened through the time described in Second Chronicles 15 if the Spirit of God had not come? At the time he did. If the Spirit of God had not begun to work. At the time he did begin to work. Because it's evident this man Azariah. The prophet of God. The son of Oded. Is a man sent from God. The Holy Spirit is a person. He empowers men for the work. He guides them. He prompts them. And men can be filled with the Holy Ghost. It's got to be said, the infilling of the Holy Spirit is a definite experience, as definite as salvation. And therefore, every child of God ought to advance in prayer along these lines. Lord, fill me, fill me, thy redeemed child, fill me with the Holy Ghost and power. Well, we have a spirit-filled man here at the beginning of the chapter. And my question is, what sort of chapter would we have had if the Holy Ghost had not come in in the way he did and at the time he did? Because if we had got through the whole chapter, and you will perhaps when you go home, you'll see that chapter 15 has to do with an absolutely powerful revival. The like of it has never been seen in many a long day. A powerful move of the Holy Ghost is recorded in this chapter 15. And the sad thing in my heart is we'll not be able to get anywhere near the heart of it because time will not allow that. What I'm saying is there's a powerful change because of the six words and the Spirit of God came. Think of our meetings, our prayer meetings, Sunday school meetings, children's meetings. 
Think of the special times of prayer. If it can be truly said of any of those occasions, now, they had no sooner begun the meeting than the Holy Ghost came in. What a powerful change that makes. What a difference. You see, the need for God's people to cry out for the coming of the Holy Ghost with power into our meetings, into our prayer times, into our family devotions, into our private lives, into those occasions when we're putting, we're attempting anyway to put all on the altar and say, Lord, what would you have me to do? That's the time. That's the time for the Spirit of God to come in. Because every time the Spirit of God comes in, there's a change. That's lovely. I, I look at this man, Azariah. In the Old Testament especially, as a rule, Bible names are important. And there are occasions for sure when the name of God's servant is very relevant to the story that's being told. And that's the case here. Because Azariah, it would have been a common enough name for God's servants. But Azariah means, the Lord is my help. Now, a wee moment ago I was saying to you, the time has come for you this New Year conference to repair the altar of the Lord and the first thing you do, you put your all on that altar. And you're going to say, Lord, what will you have me to do? Before God, you're going to say it. Before God, what will you have me to do, Lord? And that's where the name Azariah comes in. A man prompted by the Spirit of God, filled with the Holy Ghost, his name means help from God. That's the first thing. I can get help from God. I may say, truly, Lord, there's nothing I can do, but I can get help from God. The name Azariah tells me that. And the name Oded has to do with witnessing. It derives from the term to witness. And the Spirit of God has called his people into this world in order to be a witness in some fashion. You may not be a preacher. You may never be a talker. I'm not so much talking about that. But you're going to be employed this year. Isn't that good? You're going to be employed this year. Listing in the Lord's army to serve the king. And God helps us to be a witness. We are a witness whether we know it or not. Even when we never open our mouths, you're still a testimony for the Lord. Azariah, help from God. Now, I, I pick up on that right away and I can say, well, if I can have help from God in spite of all my defects, I can say with more assurance, there is a reward. He went out to meet Asah. The striking thing here is, you notice the time. Oh, don't read your Bible too quickly. 
ask questions. Why did he go out at this time? What was the king doing? Simple questions. Paint the picture fully in your mind's eye. Just see it because it's all true. It actually did happen. Therefore, it's open to questions. Where was Asa coming from? Where was he going? Why did the prophet come and meet him now? Well, the background to that is it's chapter 14, you see. It was a tremendous battle, fearful battle. Probably the like of it never fought in Israel. Because uh, you learn how King Asa, who in the first ten years did a lot of good work in the country and built up the fenced cities and prepared for the enemy invasion, should that occur, he, he used his time well. And then there came this army up from the south, coming from Egypt and beyond Egypt, Ethiopia. A million men! I don't know, as I speak, of there being any other time when, especially before this, you read of a million men marching on Jerusalem. Now, if Asa had, if he had 500,000 in his army, that would be a huge army. A huge, huge number. 500,000, say. I'm not saying he had that number. I'm saying if he had. But to contemplate the enemy numbering one million men. Horrifying. Not a chance of withstanding the foe. But the same Spirit of God, Asa, is praying in chapter 14. And it's a wonderful prayer. And God gave a wonderful answer. And as Asa comes back, he's over the moon. Usually, it's the expected thing, is it not? For the prophet to go and meet the king on his way to the battle, to meet him before the battle takes place. Not surely, not surely after the battle. It does happen at other times, I've got to say. But it, it's not the common thing. The common thing would be for the prophet to come before the battle starts. After all, it's the prophet who will bring God's guidance. If he's a prophet sent from God. And we want to hear what God's guidance amounts to. But the prophet is coming after the battle. Why after the battle? I think, if I can put a construction on this, Asa's head is in the clouds because God gave such a marvelous victory, delivering a thundering defeat on the million men, putting their army to shame. Giving Asa the victory on that day, and I think he was over the moon. And then the abundance of spoil that he got. Just look at chapter 14, the last three verses. What I want you to do is look at the last line of each verse. The last line of verse 13. The last line of verse 14. The last line of verse 15. Now, that's easy to do, isn't it? And you're getting the picture. The last line of verse 13 
they carried away very much spoil. Oh, the abundance, gold, silver, livestock, it's just overwhelming. They got from the camp of a million men. Verse 14, last line, for there was exceeding much spoil among the livestock, the cattle, the sheep, the goats, the camels, you name it. There was exceeding much spoil. There never was the like of it. And the last line of verse 15. Are you with me in this? We're trying to get the emotions of the king now that he's back from the battle and he's on his way to Jerusalem. With very, he's weighed down with the gold and the silver and the cattle. That could well be a picture of somebody here or in one of our churches. It's the cattle, the abundance of the cattle you've got to work with. And then these things can just squeeze out the important things of God. It's sad. It's sad. I read of this man's son, Asa's son. In the following chapters, he had much business. We don't want business to fail. But on the other hand, we don't want so much business, so much business that you haven't got time for the Lord. Don't let the minister ask you about anything because you haven't got the time. There's so much business. Do you see the last line of verse 15? The sheep and the camels in abundance. And there they are returning to Jerusalem and God sent a man to meet him. God sent a man to meet him. And he, he, he delivers this message. And he says, hear me. Take this to heart. All Judah and Benjamin, the Lord is with you while you be with him. If you seek him, he will be found of you. That's a guarantee. But if you forsake him, he will forsake you. Now, I, I, I want to guard being misunderstood here. When we read that statement, if you forsake him, he will forsake you. That might be puzzling to you. Let me explain. It doesn't bear relation to salvation. As regards your salvation, the Lord will never leave you. Hebrews 13 and 5, I will never leave thee nor forsake thee. Never. That's salvation. But in regard to the work, if we're not seeking God first, if we're not putting the Lord first, if we're letting other things intrude and get between us and God, then if that means you have forsaken him, he will forsake you. He'll just leave you to it. I think I remember reading an old book. It was either an autobiography or biography probably the latter, of a man of God. He, he tells, he had a sense of humor. He tells how he took an engagement to go to a certain church and he felt very strongly. As he got, maybe it was a Sunday, he got to the church and he began ascending the steps and he felt suddenly the Lord was speaking to him. 
It seemed as if the Lord was saying, now I'll just sit out here on the front steps. You go in there and conduct the service and I'll wait out here for you. You come back, I'll be here waiting for you. That's years and years ago. I never forgot that. I could just imagine that happening. If the Lord just said to the man, the preacher, now you go on in there and conduct the service. But as for me, they've had no room for me all these past years. So I just sit out here in the front step. If you're finished the service, you come out and I'll join you again. You see that? The Lord not there. Doing the work. Oh, yeah, the man went on in, did the service, preached the word. He was a great man, a great preacher too. I'm sure he delivered a powerful message, but the Lord wasn't there. By the story, we can say he was sitting outside in the front step. The Lord wasn't there. If ye forsake him, could it be a Sunday school teacher without due preparation all of a sudden, without real prayer, got to the Sunday school class, teaching the class, and, and the Lord not there. What a terrible thing. So this is not about salvation. This is about service for God. We need the Lord to be in the midst. What I was going to say tonight, that this statement in verse 2, if you seek him, he will be found of you. If you forsake him, he will forsake you. This is not a one-off. This is a principle that runs all the way through the Bible. And I had thought tonight, I'll take time, and we'll just go through the scriptures. And we'll look at the statement that expounds this principle. But I just, I'm not going to have time to do that. Maybe another time. We will look into that because it's most significant to see how the Lord operates by this principle. The statement is boldly made. If you, and that's you and me, if you seek him, he will be with you. And if you seek him, he will be found of you. And if you forsake him because you've been too busy or because your love has grown cold or because you've got away from the Lord, God knows it. The Lord will just leave you in the sense of his power in your life and his blessing. Just leave you high and dry. And you've missed out with God. I I would really have liked to go through that chain of references tonight because to me they're most significant. You see the circumstances each time when God states this principle outlined here in Second Chronicles 15. You see how the Spirit of God works on this statement. In fact, in this chapter you can see how there's this little piece of history uh, and we we talked about it from verse 3 as the prophets spoke for a long season Israel had got away from God and in the midst of trouble but when they sought him 
although they had gotten away from God and behaved wretchedly, when they sought him, do you see verse 4, men and women, it's so important. It's so very important for this conference meeting that although Israel had got away from him to such a terrible degree, yet, after a long, long season, when they sought him, hallelujah, he was found of them. If that's not good news, I don't know what good news is. It's a great thing for you. They say, oh, it's been a long time since, since I shed a tear. It's been a long time since I wrestled with God in prayer, but there's a way back. There's a new beginning. There's a new start. And here it is. When they, in their trouble, did get back, when they returned to the Lord, when they came back to the Lord, he was found. No such a thing as the Lord saying, away with you. I'm closing shop. I'm shutting the door and pulling the blinds down. You might expect the Lord to do that, to rebuff his people, but he was found of them. And look, Manasseh heard those words and he took courage and he started to pray with all their heart and with all their soul. I'm cutting corners now. But look at verse 15. You can see that Asa put it into practice. He got a hold of this promise and he saw very, very plainly the way that God had ordained for him to go. And they made an oath. I'm not saying you should do that. I don't think you should. An oath can't be broken. But they had sworn with all their heart and they sought him with their whole desire. He was found of them. That happened to King Asa. That's why I said at the start, there's a powerful revival, all resulting from the fact at the beginning of the chapter, the Spirit of God came. And the Lord gave them rest and blessing round about. You see, if we, if we go through those links by way of evidence in Scripture where this principle is repeated time after time, in the worst of circumstances. Look at verse 6 there. Nation destroyed of nation. Warfare. Think of war-torn countries tonight, Ukraine. Here we are sitting comfortably in peace. And Israel toiling in Gaza. And their trouble. God, that, that's included here. Whatever the desperate situation obtains, where they with their whole desire and all their heart, God says, the Lord keeps an open door. He's keeping an open door and cross guard now for me, for you. If you rise up and say, I'm for that door, that altar we're repairing, I'm putting my all in that altar. If they sought him, verse 4, he was found. And Asa said, that's for me. And glory to God. Asa did seek the Lord. That's good news. It really blessed my soul to see the tie-in with this. He was found of them. There is a reward 
Mr. Higginson was preaching this morning, a New Year's model text, and this burden, Hebrews 11 and 6, and without faith it is impossible to please him, for he that cometh to God must believe that he is, and that, listen, that he is a rewarder of those who diligently seek him. That's like a repetition of this principle. Nothing done for the Lord will be in vain. Nothing. Are you going to say now, Lord, let me begin. Let me be challenged. Is there somebody here tonight that they're saying in your heart, I haven't been near a prayer meeting in years. Is there a man or woman here in this service? Are you saying, I wouldn't want to say it to anybody you're saying to me, I wouldn't want to say it to you. Is there somebody saying to the Lord, Lord, I feel I have been backslidden for years, a long season. And God graciously, it brings it bring tears to your eyes after such a long time out. The Lord is saying, if you seek him now with all your heart and your whole desire, he will be found. That's the loveliest thing. And some other time, maybe, we should look at those scriptural principles that are part and parcel of this same line of teaching. It's so important when we say, it's not a one-off. You could get that impression very easily. It's only a one-off, and that's it. But when it's a principle... Year after year, century after century, in the Bible and the actual language of Scripture testifying to this, you can say, hey, this is worthwhile getting a hold of it and latching on to it and saying, Lord, it's for me. Are you going to come back to the Lord tonight? Is there a Christian who's saying, well, I have been going on with God and I have been going to the prayer meetings, but I feel like I do with encouragement. Well, there, there is room for you here in, in the verses we have been examining. This is a great chapter for you. You can still make a new start. And let us, by God's grace, do so. Mr. Dean is going to come and, and close the service for us. Do we thank the Lord's servant for coming and bringing that message to our hearts. As a word, it is a word from God to our hearts. And we think of what he has been saying. Uh, we think of how uh, the, the word was put into practice here. How they followed through and that's what we need to do. Uh, if we forsake him, he'll forsake us. But if we call upon him, if we uh, seek him, he will be found of us. And how we need to seek the Lord, how we need to know his blessing upon us in these days. And if maybe you're away from God tonight and uh, we f feel God so many times, we fail to seek him, we fail to draw near to him. And then we find that the Lord 
is not drawing nigh to us. And we pray that God in his mercy might enable us to make that new start this evening. May God write his word upon our hearts for his name's sake. Let's just unite together in a word of prayer. We'll sing a few verses of the hymn, but let's just seek the, the help of God tonight. And as you're bowed before God, as we are in prayer tonight, oh, that God would use his word and that we might have a determination to serve God this year, that we might, with the help of God, seek to go forward. I wonder tonight, as we bow in prayer, if you have that uh, determination before God, that desire in your heart uh, to have God's blessing, his nearness, his presence. When we don't have the presence of God, we, don't, we miss so much. In his presence, there's fullness of joy, and at his right hand, there are pleasures forevermore. We miss out on so much peace and blessing and joy that we ought to have. But if you will seek him, if we all will seek him, then we will enjoy the blessing of God upon us. Let's just, as we bow in prayer, everyone, let's just seek God's help this year. And let's enter into that determination that we'll follow our God. Our loving God and our gracious Father in heaven, we do thank thee for the word tonight, and we do believe that it is a word in season, a word from thee. Our God, we do rejoice in the uh, observation that's been made that there is a reward. We thank thee that if we uh, serve thee, there is a reward. And we do rejoice in that. We do thank thee for these wonderful promises. And our Father, we pray that thou wouldst enable us to be up and doing for thee. O God, we pray that we might dispense with the busyness or the things that enter into our hearts that distract us and turn us away from thee. But O oh, that we might serve thee with a full heart and with full desire after God. And our God, we thank thee for the promise that if we seek thee, then thou wilt be found of us. And Lord, we do thank thee for that wonderful promise. We think of these people away for a long time, and yet, Lord, when they turned, we do thank thee that there was that response from heaven. So, Lord, write that word upon our hearts. We pray that it might live long in our remembrance, and that we might have a, a willing response to thee, even in thy word tonight. For it's in Jesus' precious name that we'd ask these things. Amen. That, that hymn 572, A Wonderful Saviour is Jesus my Lord, a wonderful Saviour to me. And we have heard this evening about the fact that God is a rewarder of them that diligently seek him. He is also one who rewards his people. What a wonderful saviour it is that we have. He hideth my soul in the cleft of a rock. And we do rejoice that in the incoming year we'll know the help and blessing of God. Uh, we'll sing verses 1 and 3 
of the hymn, and we'll stand to sing 572. <laughs> <laughs>